Welcome to the Jornaya Talks Mortgage Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Eshelman, the resident mortgage geek and head of consumer finance at Jornaya. Incredibly excited today to have Dale Vermillion on the show. He's the president and CEO of Vermillion Consulting. Uh, but as you'll hear on this podcast, and we'll get into quite a bit, he's so much more than that. Uh, with 25 plus years of mortgage training and consulting experience, uh, I, I was looking on your website. I've trained over a million professionals, 450 organizations. I mean, there's we got a lot to get into because not only all the, the business side of what you do, but uh, the philanthropist in you has been something that's blown me away since. Uh, since I was first introduced to you. So first and foremost, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm good, Mike. Thanks so much for having me. It's so great to see you, my friend, and glad to see that uh, you're doing okay in all of this crazy pandemic world we're living in today. Glad to see you healthy. Yeah, thanks. Same to you. I think it's March 82nd or 92nd or something along those lines. This, this quarantine <laughs> has lasted a while. You're right. Uh, <laughs> um, but yes, I'm, I'm in Los Angeles. We're, we're pretty tied down here. Um, I, we were just chatting a little bit before it and, uh, looks like you're, you're in a great location, uh, yourself. It sounds like you guys, um, got away for a little bit, but how's you been doing through this time? You know, we've been doing good. It's, it's amazing that, uh, you know, one of the, one of the brightest things I ever did as an, as a, uh, a business owner was about five years ago, I hired a guy in named Michael Bricado, who is a genius young millennial with a great tech mind, just like you. He's a tech geek and, and really good at it. And uh, he helped set up my company so that, you know, we're actually well positioned for this marketplace between him and, and my son, Jake and, and Albert, the, the three guys that, that work for me that are all millennials that are all way smarter than I am. They've helped us to build it uh, through our studio in Florida and through all of the tech that we have access to or, I'm doing a ton of webinars and live video and live simulcast and all of that stuff. I don't necessarily need to be traveling right now, which is great. Um, we're able to impact a lot of people and a lot of companies and train a lot of people and consult and do everything we do right from the beauty of our office so or our homes. So it's, it's, it's really been amazing to see how the timing just worked out so well with all of that. And uh, frankly, you know, as we talked about earlier, I, I'm delighted to be off the road for a while because <laughs> I've, I've been enough travel to, to, to be around the world over 600 times based on my flight miles. So I'm tired of being on planes. Yeah, I, I mean, you are on the road an extensive amount. You're traveling, you were traveling substantially. It's usually around this time of year, I think. I think we'd just be a few weeks away from the Safu Summit, or I guess now the Volley Summit, uh, where I get to see you. For, yeah. And for those of you, I don't know, if, uh, on video, I have my other's first shirt on. Uh, which I got from you and uh, and fit for hope hat uh, right beside me. So um, you know it's 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 a bummer that we're not going to be able to attend the volley summit. It's always a good time going out to the ball game and and hearing people like you speak. But um, you know let's talk a little bit more about kind of how your business has been forced into this new reality of doing business and, and, you know, what is it that you've been doing over the last couple of months? Cause you had, have made quite a shift. I have, but you know what is, it's been really actually a very fun shift in a lot of ways because here's the fact of the matter, you know, the mortgage industry right now is 
as I've said many times, is the bright spot of the economy right now. So when you look at what we can do for consumers today and helping them, which really matters to me, your other's first shirt, um, which uh, thank you for, for representing on that. That's so kind of you to do that. That's our philosophy. It's built around my life first. It's out of the book of Philippians, chapter two, verses three and four says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in all things with humility, value others above yourself, looking out for their interests and not your own. And and, and I've applied that to the mindset of business to say, you know, in the mortgage industry, we are dealing with the single largest financial transaction people go through. And right now the economy is very tough. People are very worried. They're very nervous. They're unstable. They feel unsecure. You know, there, there's a lot of, of fear, a lot of things going on out there that actually we can help an awful lot. So for the last almost two months now, I've literally been doing dozens upon dozens of webinars and podcasts and, and, and all kinds of broadcasts across the country, really talking to both mortgage professionals and to executives about how do you navigate this business right now and how do you turn your business into a compassionate business? Because we can all talk mortgages so we're blue in the face, but nobody wants to talk about their mortgage. What they want to talk about is how they're doing how they're doing emotionally, how they're doing health-wise, how they're doing financially. And I've really been spending a lot of time helping mortgage people understand that. If you want to succeed today, it's really all about relationship. It's really all about providing great service and changing the life of your customers. If you do that, you win. We can do that via webinars and, and, and podcasts and simulcasts. I don't need to be standing in front of 300 people to do that. It's, it's been a game changer in terms of, I remember just a few months back before all of this started, whenever I'd have a video conference call, uh, I would be on video, but the person on the other side would have their camera shut off. If you heard a yep. dog barking in the background or a baby crying in the background or something along those lines, it was a, you know, it, it's a quote unquote unprofessional thing to have happen you know, but now it, it's changed the game. It's so much more acceptable. Everyone's turning on their cameras and watching, but it's also an area for opportunity to uh, consume a lot more content and training because when, with so many people remote and at home, uh, it just feels like you can get so much more done in the day, including, uh, you know, something that I've realized for myself, because I used to travel an extensive amount. Um, I've been reaching out to so many more people, just checking in on them. Uh, way more frequently and trying to keep up those relationships. But uh, it sounds like right. you kept yourself pretty busy uh, getting yourself out there and putting the content, putting yourself out there virtually and, and it's working. It sounds like it's working yeah. phenomenally. It really is. And, and hopefully we've provided a lot of help and a lot of encouragement. I've been you know, talking to a lot of people about how to maintain a positive attitude in these times and, and how to work through these things and just try to keep your mind in the right place. And, you know, I, I love all of this video because you actually see the realness of people for the first time. I, mean, I love it when I'm on a video and I see the kids run across behind you know, the person you're talking to or the dog comes jumping on their lap. You know, to me, that's that's life. Like we're actually doing life together, which is really the first time we've done that for a lot of us. I think a lot of us have realized how crazy busy we were before and we were missing opportunities to actually connect with people. It's weird that we're actually connecting more in some cases now than we were then. Kind of crazy. It is. It is. It, it's really wild. Um, obviously, there's been a clear shift in, in workforce going remote. Um, I know you've been working with a lot of businesses on dealing with that transition. Um, yeah, I, I want to make that shift in this conversation over to more the philanthropic side. But before we do that, 
can you let everyone know, you know where can they find more information uh, about you? Where can they find your content? How can they connect with you? Yeah, if they just go to dalevermillion.com, they can connect with our team and, and connect with me. And, uh, you know, we, we train mortgage professionals. We train on not just sales, but customer service, time mastering and time management organization, you know, all of those things. Um, and also work with leaders. I work with leaders all over the country and train them on how to more effectively run their, their teams and, and really create better motivation and better accountability and just a better organization. I work a lot on culture and how to build a culture that's built around compassion and service and relationship and all those things that really make a difference at the end of the day. Awesome. Fantastic stuff. Uh, always super high energy from you. Always very motivational. Whenever I hear you speak, uh, I know I kick things into gear when I get back home. So uh, thank you for all you do there. Switching over. Um, okay. Michael, Morgan, thank you for saying that. Uh, absolutely. Uh, mortgage professionals providing hope. Uh, I, I mean, I've seen you so many times. Be a humble hero. You know, the shirts that you wear. Um, fantastic organization. I know that's, that's a piece of what you do, but can you take us back? How did you get started? Uh, I, I mean, we, let's get into the trips to India, let, everything that you do. I mean, start us from kind of the beginning and, and why you got into it and, uh, and, and all the way through to what you're doing today. Well, Michael, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you asking me that question. And let me kind of give you the, the backdrop on this. So um, 2000, was a pivotal changing point in my life. You know, we all have those times in our life where something happens that exponentially changes us. For me, it was 2004. And, and what happened was, um, I, I was, my wife and I were actually sitting in a church service on, on a Sunday morning. We were just there. We were watching this video and this presentation from a guy from, uh, from Minneapolis, Minnesota, who was talking about an organization in India called IREF. And IREF was an organization that housed about 4,000 children who were orphans in central India. And he was showing pictures and showing videos. And I, I, honestly, Michael, to this day, I cannot tell you what happened, but something that I saw captured me in a way where literally my wife thought I was having a heart attack. She was almost dialing 911 because I was, I was uncontrollably sobbing couldn't catch my breath, couldn't breathe for about literally like 10 minutes. I'm sure it was probably 20 seconds, but something just really caught me. And from that, we decided to sponsor a little girl named Pura Patama. She was a four-year-old girl at the time. The, the whole proposition from the organization was if you spend a dollar a day and give it to their organization, you could actually house, feed, clothe, and educate a child all the way through college. So we did that. Well, fast forward, the, the, this was in 2000. Fast forward the next four years, I'm looking at this little girl's picture every morning on my fridge. I come down one morning, I look at my wife, I said, I can't take it anymore. She's like, what? I said, Tiru. She's like, you want to meet her? I'm like, I, I've got to meet her. She's like, when you want to go? I said, well, I'm thinking tomorrow. <laughs> and she like, I, I travel all the time. She's like, okay, have a good trip. I mean, I got a really awesome wife. She's very supportive. She's like, go, go meet her. So I literally got on a plane 55 hours door to door to central India, a place called Rapoli, that is one of the poorest places, literally, Mike, in the world. I mean, I'm talking destitution beyond anything I can explain to you. And for 12 days, I spent 12 days going into 12 villages, just praying for people, working with people, taking care of people, providing medicine or anything I could do to help for those 12 days, got to finally meet Tiru. And, and at the end of the day, what happened was, 
my life was exponentially changed. I fell in love with the people. I fell in love with the culture. I fell in love with these children. And I tell the story about when I got there and, 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 and I got out of the car and started to, to head towards the, the orphanage. The very first day I got there, they said, when you turn the corner, be prepared. I said, okay. When I turned the corner, there was 4,000 kids down a quarter mile road that were on both sides that were singing and dancing and throwing, you know, flower petals and all this stuff. And I looked at the translator, I go, what's, who's the party for? He says, for you. And I said, excuse me, what do you mean for me? So this is how we honor our guests. And, and, and I decided I was totally overwhelmed, didn't know what to do, but I decided, well, if I'm going to walk through this barricade of children, I'm going to say hi to each one as I go. So I started with this first little boy that was about five years old, pat him on the head, gave him a hug. He looked up my eyes and said, uncle, uncle, what's my name? <laughs> I had no idea. What's your name? And he said, Raja. When I said his name, I said, nice to meet you, Raja. He lit up. And that happened with three or four children in a row. And I finally asked the trans, I said, okay, you got to help me out. Why are they asking me that question? Why not ask me for gifts or stuff? And what he said to me, Mike, literally changed my life because he said this to me. He said, Dale, these are nameless, faceless orphans. These children either have lost their parents or their parents have literally voluntarily turned them over because they can't raise them. They can't afford them. They've given them up to us to care for. He said, and the reason they're asking their name of you is because they want you to say their name because they want to know they matter to you. Like it broke me to no end. I, I, was, I was a sobbing mess again on the ground for five minutes because it made me realize this was 2004. I mean, I was, I was in my 40s. I should have known this by now, but I learned for the first time that the single most important thing that we as human beings look for is to be known. Is to be is, is we want to know we matter. We want to know that people care about us, and, and it, it it flipped a switch, Mike, and something changed in my brain. I spent that 12 days. I came home. True story. Walk up to my wife. She says, "Oh, I'm so glad you're home. How was the trip?" I said, "It was fantastic. I'm so happy to see you." And I got good news and bad news. She said, "What's the good news?" I said, "The good news is I'm a different man. The bad news is we're selling the house, we're selling the cars, and we're starting to give stuff away." And she literally, like that, was like, okay, I'm good with that. Wow. And we, we put the house on the market. We, I, I traded in my BMW for a minivan, which I still can't believe I did, but I did. And we made a commitment at that time that we were going to change our business and change our life, and we are going to give half of everything we make back. And that's what we do. We, we, we believe that we are here to help others. We're not here to help ourselves. And, and we started Mortgage Festival Spreading Hope in 2006 with the purpose of I spoke and told the story many times on, on many different stages and people approached me, Oh my gosh, I was so moved by that story. I want to give to what you're doing. And, you know, we've been able to, in the last, you know, years since 2006, the last 14 years, we've been able to build an orphanage in India for 550 girls. We've been able to uh, house kids in America. We actually, in the last two years have housed over 200 homeless families, mostly single moms living in their cars with their kids um, here in America. So we've been doing that. And, and my wife actually works with the homeless. That's what she does. Um, we, we've also worked in Guatemala to help kids in Guatemala. We built a school or actually fund a school that's there so they can educate kids who live in a garbage dump. Um, we've worked with kids in Romania, in Africa. We've traveled all over the world. We've done things to try to help live out the mission of others first and, and try to help others who can't help themselves because you know, you know, you, you, you probably feel the same way I do. We're so blessed in America. We want for nothing and we have so much to give back. And I believe that that's what we're called to. We're called to help our fellow 
man. We're, we're called to love our neighbor. That, that's biblical. That's, that's something I've always believed in. But it became real the day I stepped on that, on that ground in India. I mean, I'm speechless. I've heard it. I, I've heard it before. I've heard, I've heard you talk about this before, but it still just leaves me without words because it's such an, I mean, it, it is, it's such an incredible story that, I mean, how can you not be changed? I mean, the fact that you actually said you're going to jump on a plane and go is an amazing decision in and of itself. Once you made that decision and you arrived there and experienced that, um, I, I can't, I can't see how you don't change from hearing that, from meeting those children, from, you know, wanting to do something. So with what you initially experienced and, and then came home and told your wife what you're going to be doing, uh, <laughs> Over the years, I mean, you just explained how that's kind of changed and expanded and done all this stuff. But, I mean, what else has happened through the years? How, how has, I'll say, the mortgage community, they've come up to you, they've spoken to you, uh, they've gotten involved. How has that really been able to fuel everything else that you began to do in all these other parts of the world? I mean, I, again, I'm speechless. I, I really don't even know, you know, what to say because it is such an incredible story. And, and, uh, and I think it was probably around 2014 or so might've been the, the first time I heard this story. Uh, and actually this, this is something I, I do want to say was, uh, I, it might've been at the, at the soft you summit or something along those lines, but I remember having a phone call with, I think it was Jake, uh, afterwards just asking like, you know, what else can be done? What else can we do? Uh, you know, what can I do to kind of take part in this? And, um, and, and I'm certainly going to be asking, you know, again, um, you know, what more can be done, but, um, you know, what is it that helps you make a bigger difference? What can we as an industry and as a community do, uh, to help with this progress? Well, Mike, you, you have been such a great supporter, and, and I can't say enough how much I appreciate your heart and appreciate you as a human being and a friend, and, and you've always been awesome about um, the things we're doing at MPPH, and we're so thankful for that, and, and, I, and I need to say one thing, you know, I don't want anybody to be too, you know, too blown away or too impressed with what I'm doing, because frankly, look, it. I'm all, I'm all, I only do what I do because God has told me this is what I need to do. My, my faith, as you know, is very, very important in my life. And, and my heart changed many years ago. My, my heart changed. God got a hold of me when I was a rebel. <laughs> and I was a mess. And, and he softened my heart towards people. And, 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 and I believe there was a, a divine plan in me being there in India. And literally, it was one of those things. I stepped on the ground, and I knew I was supposed to be there. And everything changed. In fact, I'll tell you an, an amazing story that happened that, that week that was, I'll never forget as long as I live. We, we went, I went with um, the, the lady who runs the orphanage, who's responsible for these 4,000 children. Her and her husband now are dear friends of Laurel and mine. Um, in fact, uh, I just uh, decided last year to serve on their board. I'd kind of stayed away from doing that for years because I didn't want to get too caught up in the business side. I wanted to just love what they do, but I was, I was able to do that. But she'd asked me to go to the local hospital with her. Now you got to understand a hospital 
in central India is not what you and I think it is. It's more like a medical clinic, and it's the scariest place you'll ever go into. I mean, I'm talking rusty utensils. There's no, there's no electricity. You know, nothing sanitized. People basically go there to die. And we're standing outside the door of this thing, and, and this woman comes out sobbing uncontrollably with this baby in her arms. This baby's maybe a year old, maybe not even. And, and, and Dee, who I'm with, starts to translate and starts talking to her. And, and, and I'm, I'm watching all this interaction, and I, I don't know what they're talking about. Finally, I said, well, Dee, what's up? She's like, okay, Dale, here's the story. This woman just found out from the doctor that her child is going to die if he doesn't get to the hospital in Gunter, which is about four hours away, within the next 24 hours. We've got a, a terrible disease that will kill him. But she has no money. She needs to get on a train. And to get on the train, she needs, and she gave me a number, like $38.40, whatever the number was. So she says, do you have any money? Mike, I am not kidding you. I'm not exaggerating one minute. I, I reach in my pocket. I got some dollars stuck, stuck in my pocket that I happened to throw in before I left. I pull them out. I, I hand them to her. She counts them off. She starts sobbing. And I'm like, what's wrong? She's like, Dale, you just handed me $38.40. It was to the penny, the amount of money for the train ticket. Literally, I lost it. I'm like, oh my gosh, how could that be? Wow. Like, an accidental thing. That child, I have no idea what happened. We handed her the money. She headed to the train station. We got her there. But I can guarantee you that I'm pretty confident that that child is, is alive today. And that child is making a difference somewhere because those kind of things don't happen. Those are things that just move you as a person. So, in answer to your question, how can people help? Look, I would say there's three things that, that, that for me have made the difference. Number one is, be willing to give. Like, I meet a lot of people with a lot of money that, that I share the need with, and yet I don't really see that desire. It's like, oh, what you're doing is great. I'm like, okay, that's great. But give to it. Like, it, it's great that you feel good about it, but if I don't give and you don't give and people don't give, we can all feel bad about what's going on, but nothing's going to change. It starts with that, unfortunately. And as much as, as you hate to ever make it about money, in order to fund these projects, you got to have money. So that's number one. Number mm -hmm. two, pray. Pray for people. Like, like just take time to, to, to in your day and just say, you know what? I'm just thinking about these people, and I just, I'm just going to ask for help for them. And, and then lastly, get involved. Like, go, go on a trip. I, if I were to make one recommendation to every parent on the, on the planet, here's be my recommendation. Take your child on a missions trip. I took every one of my kids to India multiple times. My sons have been there three and four or five times, some of them 10 times. I've been there 10 times. We've been to Guatemala together. We've been to Africa together. We've traveled all over the world with our kids on these trips to meet the people we serve. And when you actually get in and you're working alongside and, and you're, you're sweating with them and you're, you're laughing with them and you're sharing a meal with them and, and, and you're there, I'm telling you what, nothing can, I could never tell you a story to make you recognize or realize the power of giving to others, the only way I can ever show it to you is by taking you to go. So I would tell people just go, go get involved in something, even if it's just local, go to a soup kitchen locally, go, go serve in your community, go do something that's gonna change your heart to want to give. And when you give, then pray for those people in the process those three things to me are the three things that we should do. If we do those three things, it makes a massive difference. Yeah. I mean, that, that's huge. There's, uh, you know, again, we were, we were chatting right before we, we hit the record button on this and, and something that's made a massive impact in my life recently is 
you know, the people who we're surrounded by, we're incredibly blessed uh, yep. to, to have people who, um, who care about us, who know our names, right? We, I mean, going back to that comment, that, that hit home with me quite a bit because, you know, we do, we want to be loved. We want to be recognized. Um, we want to feel like we matter in life. So I, that's something that'll, that'll definitely stick out for me in this conversation. But um, I, oh man, it was probably around 2006 or seven. Um, I actually went to Costa Rica uh, to build homes for a, a couple of weeks. And the experience that I had there, it, it was a small rural town in Costa Rica. And I stayed with the host family. Um, the people that were there helping uh, build these homes, I, I am still connected with, you know, through social media now with, uh, with seeing how, what they've done since and how they're raising their family. But it, my point is I, I, you know, through these things that I've done, I've began surrounding myself with people who are constant reminders of incredible people in the world that are doing great things that, you know, every once in a while, I think we all kind of get in this moment of like, we're, we're just focusing on us for a little while and we kind of yep. get away from center a bit. And then you see something that a close friend is doing. That's that reminder of like, you know, yeah, I loved when I went out and I did this and made a difference. Um, this shirt that I'm wearing this other's first shirt, which uh, was a couple of years ago, I think that you, you know, you started pushing out there um, is a constant reminder. I see this in my closet. I pull it out and start wearing it all the time. And I get so many comments about it. You know, I'd be at the airport uh, and I remember I, I, I was wearing it after I got this shirt from you in Kansas City. Uh, I was in the airport wearing it on my layover, you know, in Chicago. I remember uh, the, the flight attendant just, you know, pulled back for a second, looked at my shirt and made a comment about it. Um, you know, it's those, those nice reminders around. And I think if we spread more of that, uh, it just it helps and compounds in terms of, you know, the difference that we can all make in, in, uh, in the world. Um, so thank you uh, for, for doing that. Thank you for my reminder that, uh, that I do. I constantly wear this. And as I mentioned, this hat that I wear, this Fit for Hope hat that I got from you in, in one of the earlier uh, conferences, um, I mean, my gosh, the sweat marks that are on this thing uh, <laughs> we'll get is amazing on. because I'm, I'm wearing it constantly. Uh, but they are. They're great reminders for me, and I love it. And thank you. Um, how is everything going, you know, recently with, with those that you're working with? I mean, have you been in communication over the last couple of months with, with those organizations and, and how are they doing through this pandemic? Yeah, you know, we have, um, I actually was just on a call a couple days ago with, uh, with Emmanuel who runs the, the orphanages in India and they actually haven't seen a lot of deaths from the pandemic, about a thousand in, in the country. But, but again, you got to understand that, you know, this is a third world country. It's like going 2000 years back in time. I mean, you know, there, there's, there's nothing like we see here in the U.S. When people think of India, I think they think a lot of the big cities where there's, you know, tech and all that stuff. We're talking about rural India where there's nothing. I mean, they, they are living, you know, in, in past past years. So, I think a lot of the reporting is probably not there. There's probably a lot more deaths than they have accounted for. You've got 1.2 billion people in India, mm. and you know, there are people that do not understand healthcare and all of those kind of things and don't have any. 
So it's probably worse than that, but I will tell you that the orphanage has not been affected. We're so thankful for that. We haven't seen any cases that have affected anybody. Um, so hopefully that will maintain, um, but they are on lockdown and they are on quarantine and they're doing all the things that we're doing here in the U.S., probably at a deeper level because they're dealing with children. They want to make sure nothing happens to those kids. So, um, and and the, the other organizations we serve, we haven't heard anything bad that's come from them either yet. So everybody seems to be making it through this good, which is great to hear. It's great to hear. Fantastic. Well, Dale, um, thank you so much again for, for anyone who's interested. Um, please, if you can give the website and where they can find more information about, uh, about how they can help, that'd be great. Yeah, it's, 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 as you mentioned, it's Mortgage Professionals Providing Hope. It's mpph.org. Um, and you know what? Check it out. And, and, you know, couple things I want to make sure that we mention on this. Number one, 100% of the dollars we take in, we, we funnel directly to the organizations we serve. We don't keep one dime at MPPH. I, I fund the organization through my business, through my consulting and training business, so that we don't have any overhead coming out of the actual monies that we take in. We want to make sure we're giving everything to the places that need to go. And we work very closely with organizations that we know, we've been on the ground, we know the people there, and they're very good at using their money wisely. In fact, uh, the orphanages, believe it or not, I think they run on about an $800,000 a year budget with 200 staff and all of the facilities and a college and grade school, it's unheard of. Like nobody can work on that kind of budget, but they literally, their teachers work for almost nothing. They're almost volunteers. They, they give up all of their personal well-being to help these children. And, and we work with organizations that we know are really doing a great job on the ground. So, you know, that, that's important to us that we know our partners and we know that there's good care being taken care of of the children that we serve and the families we serve. And, 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 you know, we, we'd love to we'd love to partner with whoever's interested because we want to make sure that the dollars go to things that help children, help families. We're, we're big on helping with education. Those are the things that matter to us. We want to take care of widows and orphans and, and the homeless and the hurting and those that are in trouble. So, Michael, I, I can't thank you enough for even making time available for this. It's 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 so awesome to be with you and it's so awesome to talk about something other than mortgages. <laughs> this is really meaningful to me. I really appreciate that. I, it, it, uh, I mean, my gosh, my head's been spinning and I, with the amount of mortgage information that's been happening over the last couple of months. I mean, margin calls and liquidity and this and that and going remote. remote. Um, you know, this is important. I mean, there's uh, the mortgage industry is fantastic. Um, I'm very thankful to be in it um, and incredibly thankful to have met people like you and, and seeing what you're doing. But this was hugely important. I thank you very much for, for joining me on the Jornaya Talks Mortgage Podcast. And look, I know you're not traveling uh, right now and, and doing a lot. And, uh, and I know your business has been, uh, has shifted in a very successful way. But I really do hope to see you up on the road soon, somewhere in the country. Uh, it would be great to give you a big hug again. Man, I'm telling you, I was just going to say, I, I just want to give you a big old bear hug, man. I, I, can't, I missed you, and I look forward to seeing you again. So that's the first thing we're going to do when I see you. We might have masks on when we do it, but we're going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. Sounds good. Dale, thank you so much for joining. Talk to you soon. Love you, Mike. Thanks so much for everything. Love you, too.